Hey, we're so glad that you're here today. And I'd like to uh, begin with this thought. It'll come up on the side screens. And here's the thought. Uh, the certainty in my beliefs will ebb and flow. The certainty in my beliefs will go up and down. That's the human condition. Let me give you an example. This past summer, our family went on vacation to Florida, to Panama City. And we just were beach bums pretty much the whole week. And we'd hang out at the beach and we had a lot of fun. And my daughters would go out to the beach each day and they noticed that there were these people that were behind these boats on these parachutes that were parasailing on the ocean. And they would get so excited about it. They're like, Dad, look at that. I was like, yeah, look at that, you know. <laughs> and then finally, I didn't encourage them at all, but they went up to their mom and they're like, Mom, can we do that? And she's like, oh, my precious little girls, absolutely. We're going to do that. No, no, no. You're going to do that with your dad. Now, listen, I'm not the one that that said they were precious, number one, and I didn't promise them to go on parasailing. Like, why do I have to be the one? But you know, if you're married, that every once in a while, you don't have a choice of what you're going to do. You just do it. And so that was me. Now, there were hundreds and hundreds of people that were parasailing. There were three boats. Uh, There were all kinds of activity that was going on uh, there. And I'm sure it was really beautiful to be up there. It was like they, you know, they could see the uh, beach and they could see the ocean. They could see the sky. Everything's gorgeous up there. And people would actually come back after they experienced it and they would tell us, they're like, oh, this was amazing. You've got to do it. And it's so safe. Well, 81 people have died in Florida in the past 30 years. Due to parasailing. I looked it up this week. Now, we had heard all of this information, and we were sitting on the beach, though. That everything was fine, everything was safe, everything was good. But we're sitting on the beach. And then the second to last day that we're on vacation, I'm thinking, you know how kids are, they're going to forget. Well, they did. You know who didn't forget? My wife, she makes this beautiful breakfast for the family. She's like, girls, today, you're going to have a wonderful experience. You're going parasailing with your dad. And so we go out to this little hut. We sign up. We do the whole thing. They put us on this banana boat that's connected to a sea-doo where the guy looks really shady that's doing the sea-doo. And he takes us out to a boat. And when we get out onto the boat, they... Harness this up, and as they're doing that, the guy, I'm kidding you not, he looks at me and goes, oh, late night. <laughs> he hooks this cable onto me, and here's my seven-year-old daughter, Shiloh, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that my sense of certainty... As I move from the safety of the boat to the beach, do you think my certainty of safety went up or went down? What do you think? 
Yeah, down, way down, way down. My mind started to suddenly be flooded with doubts. What if this harness breaks? What if this cable breaks? What if there is a rogue hurricane? What if we're attacked by birds? I saw my body and my youngest daughter, Shiloh, splattered in the Atlantic Ocean. And I started to imagine, what would Jordan do without a dad? And I started to imagine, what would Jennifer do without a husband? Dating other men. Wealthy men. More attractive men than me. Of whom I did not approve. (laughs) Now, objectively, had anything changed on the information and evidence that I had about the safety of parasailing by the time I got out there? Had anything changed? No. Nothing had changed. And yet my mind was suddenly flooded with doubts. And this is the way our mind works. Sometimes something strikes our imagination, something strikes our mind, something strikes our emotions. And that we find this train of our thoughts running toward doubt. And so today we're going to talk about one of the most common doubts that I think many people have. And it's actually our big idea for this morning. So you can fill it in or if you're on our app, uh, you can go ahead and type this into your phone And it's this, we often believe that God can do something, but often we doubt that God will do it for us. We often believe that God can do something, but we often, we doubt that God will do it for us. It's like the story I heard about this guy who uh, fell off the edge of a cliff. And as he's going down, he grabs onto this great big tree and a branch off of this tree. And he's holding on to this branch and he looks down and he's thinking, if I let go, I'm going to die. And so he looks up toward heaven. He's like, God, help. And God looks down at him and says, let go. And all of a sudden, this guy, he's holding on as tight as he can to this branch. And he looks back up again. He's like, is there anybody else up there that can help me? Because, God, I trust you in most things, but I don't trust you in this one. I don't know if you've ever had a doubt like that. But I have. Have you ever had that play in your mind that I think God would do it for other people. I'm just not sure he would do it for me. I'm sure that God forgives other people, but I don't know if he'd forgive me of this. I'm sure God will heal other people, and I'm sure that he'll heal other people that they love, but I'm just not sure God would do this for me. I know that God can help people overcome addictions, but I'm just not sure if God will do that for me. Many people will say, I know that Scripture teaches that if you give 10% of your income to the things of God that, that He will bless your life. He'll take care of everything. And I believe it. I just don't know if it's for me. 
I know that there is a God who answers prayers. Many people would say that. But when I pray, it just seems like I go the opposite way. I know that God would be able to do this, people would say. But I'm just not sure God would do it for me. Today, I want us to look at a story in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 9, that talks about a guy who kind of, sort of believed, but he had some faith struggles, just like I have a feeling many of you have in here today. And one day, Jesus is walking, and as he's walking, he notices his disciples are up in an argument with a group of religious leaders. And Jesus walks up to them, and he basically says, hey, what's going on? And this guy, who kind of sort of believed, in verse 19, it says this. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Now, I don't know what you think about evil or evil spirits. Maybe some of you have your doubts about that. That's okay. But Scripture is really clear, and it's been the experience of my life, that there are some things that happen in this world that just happen because of an evil force that comes and tries to kill, steal, and destroy. And so for this man, this evil came to his son, and it tormented him. And we're going to find that it possessed him in such a way that it caused him to hurt himself and to cause convulsion. And the father says this, whenever it, the evil spirit, seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. The guy's kind of like, hey... I called on your disciples, but I think the problem is I got the remedial class. I think I got the ones who just, you know, is a pass and fail. These aren't the A students because they haven't been able to do a thing to help me. And the disciples at this point, they're all kind of standing there as this conversation's going down. I just have this image. They're looking at their feet like, oh, man. We've been with this guy almost three years, and we can't do it. It was not the shiny moment of their lives. They lacked spiritual power. They lacked the ability to help anyone, especially this man. And all they did was create this big fight, this big ruckus in front of the watching world with the religious leaders. Sometimes one of the biggest obstacles to faith in Jesus, folks, is the incompetency and the arrogance and the complacency of Christ followers. People like me. And so Jesus goes on to say this. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? And when he's speaking here, he's speaking mainly to the disciples, the one that he's been around. Jump to verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? 
And if you're a dad, you're probably like, it's been a long time. Since childhood, Jesus, this is what we've been having to struggle with. Verse 22, the evil spirit has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. He almost died several times. Now, the next statement, in my mind, captures the heart of this situation. The father says, but, what's the next word? What is it? What is it? Right. But if, he says, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything at all, please take pity on us and help us. That word, if, captures the hearts of many people. God, if you could do this, please do it. If you're able to, please act. If you are good, you could do something. If you are indeed real, then show up. Folks, why is it for so many of us who are even, would say we're Christ followers, we're Christians, we follow Jesus, we go to church regularly, why is it for many of us that we would have an if in the front and in the back of our faith when it comes to things of faith. And this leads us to the big question today, which is this. Why do many of us doubt? Why do many of us doubt? Well, here's the first reason why. Because God doesn't do what we would do. Because God doesn't do what we would do. Now, I would argue that the greatest pain that a parent feels is not personal pain. The greatest pain that a parent ever feels is when their children are hurting. When their children is hurt, that's the greatest pain a parent has. And I guarantee you that this father in this story, that if he would have been God the Father and his son was like this, he would have been healed immediately. I mean, the bottom line is this. Sometimes we just say, God, sometimes you just don't do some of the things the way that I think you should. If I were you, God, I would do things differently. So how does it play out in our everyday life? Maybe some of you grew up in church or you grew up in a home where God was present. And people would come to you all the time and they'd say, you know what? If you just read the Bible and you pray and you do some good things and you don't do some bad things, God is going to bless your life. And so you take them up on it and you're like, hey, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my Bible out. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to try to do all the good that I can. I'm not going to do the bad that I can. But you did all of that and you got to the end of life or at the end of that moment of your time. And you got to that point and you're aching with pain, even though you've done all of these things. You're depressed. You're discouraged. You feel overwhelmed. You're broke. And the job that you're in right now, you feel like is not going anywhere or you don't even have a job. 
And then you wonder in your mind, is this all there is? <laughs> Seriously, God, this is how you're going to bless my life? I've been doing all these things, and that's the way. I know a lot of people who their greatest dream was to become married and then to have a healthy Christian marriage. And then they get married, but everything in their marriage is anything but healthy. And they're like, God, where are you? Some people would say, Hey, I'm, I'm applying for this new job. I have all the credentials. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I went to the interview. Everything went well. I feel so good. I've been praying about this. I know this is the job that God wants me to have. And then at the end of it all, you don't get it. You're like, God, where are you? I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to who will come up and they say, Man, I've been praying for healing for myself or for someone in their family. And they've been praying and they've been praying and they've been praying. And I really believe that God could do this, that he would do this, but then he did. And year after year, no healing. So why do many of us doubt? Many of us doubt because God doesn't do what we would do. Another reason is this, because we have tried things that did not work. You and I, we've tried things that did not work. In our story, this father tries something that didn't work. He's like, maybe I can't get to Jesus, but I could get to his disciples. And so he brings his boy to the disciples and he thinks this is going to work. And then it doesn't. Maybe for some of you, you took a book that you read, you read this book, and there were seven steps to whatever it was, and you did all seven steps, and you got to the end of it, and it didn't work. Maybe for you, you joined a small group, or you joined a church, or you decided, hey, I'm going to just listen to Christian music, I'm going to listen to K-Love all the time, and and that's going to change things, and you start doing good, and you stop doing bad and, and you find that actually things go further south when you're doing all that. And we try some things and they just didn't work. And all of a sudden, doubt rears its head. And our doubts rise. A third thing that caused many of us to doubt is this. That many people around us express doubts. The people around us are actually regularly expressing doubts. I mean, you sincerely want to have a belief in in God and be connected to God. But maybe you've got some family members or some friends or maybe you've actually got some co-workers that every time God kind of comes around and comes up in a conversation, you're like, they're all telling you, don't be an idiot. This is for the weak. To believe in God is to have a crutch. Why in the world would you buy into this myth? And so you want to believe, you really do want to believe. You've got other people around you that simply 
Speak doubts in your mind over and over and over again. The father in this story, I'm sure that he had many people around him that were expressing doubts. Dude, you've tried multiple times to try to help your husband or to try to help your uh, son and nothing's changed. God's not going to heal your son. God, he's forgotten you. He's forgotten. And so this man, he's hearing like all of these doubts around him. And he does the only thing that he could do. And he brought this son one more time, one last try of something else. He's like, Jesus, this is my boy. And I've been praying and praying and praying. I pray every single day and I go, God, what, whatever it takes, I'll do. Whatever you want me to promise, I'll make it happen. Just tell my boy. And nothing, nothing changes for him. I mean, Jesus, each time that a rabbi came in, each time that a holy person came into town, each time one of those uh, spiritual healers came, I took my boy, I, I brought him there. I was like, hey, you, you, I'm sure you can do this. I'm... And nothing. Can you do something for him? Can, can you just do one thing for him? Can... Nothing. And then I heard about you, Jesus. And I got my hopes up. And I, and I thought to myself, well, maybe I can't get to you, but if I got to your disciples, that they could use your power to heal my son. So that's what I'll do. And nothing. They couldn't do anything. And the father's faith, it, it's just a glimmer now, just a little bitty spark. It's almost out, but he's like, I'll just go to Jesus himself. And in verse 22, the father says this. But... What's the word again? What is it? But if, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus picks up on this phrase. He picks up on this word because look how he responds. He says, if you can, if. And then Jesus gives a statement that both gives us hope and it slays us. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible. And at this point, if I were the father, even though I really didn't believe, I'd start faking it. Everything is possible if you believe. And you're like, dude, I've tried for years and years and nothing ever changed. And I'd, I'd be like this. I'd be tempted to fake it and be like, oh, yeah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I think you can do it, Jesus. I am counting on you. That's what I do. But he doesn't. Rather, the text says this. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. What did he say? I do believe. Let's all say that together out loud. One, two, three. I do believe. Again, 
I do believe. He said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I believe and I doubt. I pray and I worry. I have hope and I have fear. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And maybe I'm alone in this. But I get this prayer. Like, I get this prayer. Do you? I believe, sorta, kinda, Jesus help me with my unbelief. Do you ever feel like that? I do believe, I just don't completely believe. I do believe, but I still have some pockets of doubt. Help me, Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, folks, when we're at that place, when we're at that place where our faith is just kind of in the balance and where faith faith is kind of faltering, what do we do? Well, today I'm not going to give you six steps on how to believe. Six steps how to believe, you'll leave from this place and you'll know how to believe. Hallelujah, hey, no problem. Step one, two, three, four, five, six, I'm good. Because that's not the way that the scripture tells us. It says belief comes in a certain way. Faith comes in a certain way. In Romans ten seventeen, it says this. So faith comes from, what's it say? How? It comes from hearing. And hearing from what? Yeah, the good news about Christ. So, folks, that's why coming on Sunday morning is so important. Why? Because you get to hear God's Word. Now, some of you might be saying, now, do they have another speaker that comes every once in a while? (laughs) Okay, I get it. And maybe you're like, yeah, or what do you do Monday through Saturday? Does this ever get opened again? Are you ever thinking about it again? That's why we have a reading plan that you can go to the resource table today and you can start reading the Bible and you get a little bit each day because faith, if you want increased faith, folks, it comes by hearing the good news of Christ Jesus. So I won't give you different steps on how to build your faith when it's faltering. But what I do want us to do is I want us to look at this father and to see what did he do that brought honor to Jesus in such a way and maybe we could mirror his faith. The first thing we see of the father as his faith is faltering is simply this. He was honest about his faith struggles. That's what he was. He was just like, I can be honest about this. I don't have to fake it. I'm going to be real about my faith. I don't have to fake it. I can be real. 
So don't pretend, don't pretend that you're something that you're not. And don't have fake faith. Just be honest, even if you have struggles. In verse 24, again, the father is very honest as he says, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, this is not a ringing endorsement for Jesus right now, is it? Like, okay, I believe, but I don't know. There, Jesus. And you wonder how Jesus is going to respond. Jesus said, I am shocked and appalled that you actually have doubts. Too bad for you. I have no time for your insulting request. Reversions 925. Some of you are like, dude, I didn't know that was in the Bible. <laughs> it's not. It's not there. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't act like that? Aren't you glad that every time you have a doubt and you don't think He's big enough to do whatever. And it slams him right in the face of who he is. The second of the Godhead. God's one and only son who was here from before anything ever existed. Aren't you glad he doesn't go? Too bad for you. You see, when you study the life of Jesus Christ, and you study the New Testament, the one thing that you will see in Jesus' life over and over and over again is that he was very patient and he was very tolerant of people who were struggling with things of faith. But he had very little patience and he had very little tolerance for the religious elite who felt like they knew everything already. Jesus, when it came to those individuals, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of the religious leaders, it was to those religious people that Jesus put the hammer down. And this is the truth. Folks, I would rather be a part of a church where people are struggling with their faith. They might be faltering with their faith than to have a fake faith. Any, any time. Any time. So what's a fake faith? We show up to church and we pretend like Christ is the center of everything that we are. But then we go through the rest of the week and nothing gets affected. Nothing gets changed. Just the same thing. And then on the way to church, we fight like cats and dogs. I told you if I have to come in here one more time to wake you up in Jesus' name, I'll get you and get in that car and what you gonna get? Get in that car. And you get in the car and everyone's like, Ugh. you finally get here, you walk in. Hallelujah! God is able. Yes, He is. Be honest about your faith struggles. That's why we have small groups, folks. That's why if you're in a small group, 
you're going to grow more than not being in a small group. And the reason is, is because you're around some other people. And when you have doubts and you're struggling with your faith and everything in your world is kind of breaking apart in the midst of that, you have a group of people that are like, you're going to make it. We're going to. We're going to pray for you. We're going to take care of your kids this week. We're going to get you food. We're going to provide for your needs. You can't do that, folks, if you stay on an island. You've got to be around a group of people. This group in this room today, it's too large for you to have an increased faith. You've got to get in a group. Because we all have faith struggles. I can remember one of my first faith struggles. I was uh, 22 years old, and I was a pastor of uh, a church just not even a year. I was about nine months into it. And my wife, Jennifer, and I, we were engaged, and I was infatuated with her. I was just like, she is beautiful. She is smart. She's intelligent. She's going to be a doctor, you know. And I'm just like, this is going to be amazing. And every single Friday, I would uh, drive up to go visit her, and we would hang out that day and Saturday, because Sunday through Thursday, I was at work, she was at school. And this particular week that I was getting ready to leave, it rained all week long. And it was raining on Friday. And I'm getting ready to drive up to go uh, see her, And as I'm getting ready uh, to take this one country road, because I was a pastor of this small little country church, I was getting ready to take this one little small country road um, in my 1980 Buick Skylark. That was the bomb right there. That thing could do anything. So my 1980 Buick Skylark, I'm driving it to go see her, and I see this sign, Caution High Water. And I come up to this sign, and I'm at a crossroads. I have to make a decision at this time what I'm going to do. Can anybody take a guess what I did? Exactly. I was like, monster truck time, baby. We are going through this thing. Come on, Buick Skylark. Now, what do you think happened? I pushed it like evil Knievel. I thought I could jump that thing, you know? And I'm going through as fast as I can. Stops right in the middle. I'm in the midst of the high water. Water starts coming into the car. It starts filling up. I have to roll down the... the, Some of you are like, roll down? What are you talking about? There's a button, right? Not 1980 Buick Skylark. I'm rolling this thing. I have to get out of it. And it floods. Like, there's water everywhere. So I go find this farmer and I tell this farmer, I'm like, hey, I got a problem. You read the sign? I'm like, yeah, I read the sign. I'll help you. So he goes and gets this tractor, he pulls it out, everything's fine. And then I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be awesome. I'm a young pastor. I believe what the word says, that when you lay hands on something, that If you're spiritual enough, if you're connected to God enough that he will heal things. And so I put my hand on that car. That farmer goes, you can't raise the dead, buddy. (laughs) 
And I didn't care. I was, I was praying, man. I was like fresh in this thing. I, I prayed and I was like, all right, I'll get back in the car. Turn it. It started. A little started. I told that farmer, hey, what's up, you know? <laughs> and I had this, there was a song back in the day that went like this. I got the power. Anybody remember that? It's getting, it's getting, it's getting. Yeah, see, some of you know. The rest of you, you'll have to Google that, okay? But I, I got that in my head, and from that moment on, for the rest of the time I was pastoring that church, I just felt like God would give me power, and people would be healed, things would happen, things would be great. And then we started the jar. And I reached out to a guy by the name of Jared. He was 29 years old. And when he turned 33, he called me one day. I golfed with him a lot. He was far from God. But we golfed a lot for about four years, and he called me one day and he said, uh, I've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I was like, oh, God, I know you can do all things. We're going to just pray. God, you can do this. You can do this. And then Jared died. Three small children. Three small children that never knew their dad. And it rocked my world. It rattled me to the core. And I would think to myself, you know, God, I asked for power for a car to be started. Any repairman could have fixed that. And then I prayed for this friend, 34 years old. Three small children. And he died. Have you ever prayed like that before? You pray and you believe and you hope and you think that it's going to change and you're really authentic And then it doesn't turn out. And you don't pretend in those moments. And yet, folks, God would rather us be real and authentic with where we're at. And today, maybe some of you, you're going through struggles right now that is that deep in your life, just to be honest about it, that you would stop pretending and say, God, I do believe, but yet, God... I struggle. The second thing that this father does as we close out is this. He says, we need to act on the faith that we have. That's what the father did. He acted out on the faith that he had. Even if it's not a great faith, you act out on the faith that you have. James 2 verse 26 says this. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without what? Without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds, faith without actions, faith without acting on it is dead. Act out on the faith that you have. Folks, that's what is so beautiful about Jesus. Jesus did not condemn this man for his lack of faith. He didn't chew him out. He didn't go off on him. 
He listened to him. And instead, he said, I'll take your little itty bitty, but genuine, authentic kind of faith. Your sort of kind of faith. And Jesus speaks into the boy, the scripture says, and he is healed. And the boy lives. And he grows up. And he works beside his dad. And one day maybe he gets married. And he has children of his own. And then he becomes very, very old one day. And he has multiple grandkids that are around him. And he says, let me tell you about a day. A day when I was just a boy. And Jesus came in. And he did what even my dad, your grandfather, wasn't sure he could do. You see, even though the father just had a sort of kind of faith, he acted upon it and Jesus healed his son. Act on whatever faith you have. If you have a rebellious child who is running further and further away from the things of God and you're almost to the point where you're ready to give up on them, but you think to yourself, I'll just pray. That's all I can do. That's the one thing. Then act upon the prayer. If financially you're stressed to the max, you don't think you can do anything, but you're thinking to yourself, if I want God to help me in the midst of everything, I'll give a little, then give what you have. Act upon it. If someone you love is very, very, very sick, and the faith that you have right now, you're like, I don't think they're ever going to get healed, but maybe they could live for a day or a week or a month or a year. Act upon the faith that you have that you could pray and believe that God would use you in whatever time that is. Start there and just say, God, whatever it is, I will act upon the little faith that I have now. Today, maybe some of you are sitting there and you've got some doubts. Maybe you wonder if God could really do that big thing in your life or in the life of people around you. But you doubt. And you're like, I believe, sort of, kind of, Almost. So if your faith is like the father in this story, just a sort of kind of faith, I I do believe, I I sort of believe, I, I think you can do something here, God. Then ask God. I believe... Help me overcome my unbelief. Be honest with God wherever you're at and then act upon what faith you have. Because no matter what you're facing, God is able. And the power of faith, folks, is even when God doesn't answer it the way that we think He should, we still say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I believe, but help me with my unbelief that that's where true faith comes. 
you don't need faith if you can already see it. You need faith when you can't see it. You can't feel it. You don't understand it. So I'm going to close this in a prayer right now, and I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up. And if you'd like prayer for anything, after the celebration, they would love to pray with you, be able to encourage you to to help you in that. And uh, I'm going to ask you right now to stand as we close in prayer. And maybe you're there, you're just like, hey, I kind of, sort of, I kind of believe. Help my unbelief. Maybe you're like, oh, I think God will forgive other people of the mess-ups that they've had, but I... I just don't know if God will forgive me. I I believe that God can help other people overcome their addictions. I've seen that, but I'm just not sure for me. Maybe it's your marriage. You sort of believe that you still have some hope, but you're just not sure. Act upon what you can today. Maybe it's your finances. You don't believe you will ever get out of debt, but maybe you could act today maybe someone's sick in your life or in your family and you sort of believe but you're not sure that God can really heal them I sort of believe help me God overcome my unbelief if your prayer today is God I believe but help my unbelief if you're struggling with some area of your life right now And to be honest and to be vulnerable to God right where you're at right now. If you're like, God, I believe, but I just don't know if you're struggling with some area in your life. I'd just like you to raise your hand. Uh, Lights are out. No one needs to see it. But you're struggling with something. And and you can be fake around other people, but you're struggling with it right now. If you could just raise your hand. And I'd like to pray for you right now. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for every single person in this room and especially, God, who, for people who are honest enough to raise their hand. Here's where we are, God. We believe, but we've got some doubts, God. We want to believe you fully. We want to be believed and trust in you completely. But, God, we need your help. Help those who have prayed and prayed and they've tried and things just went the other way. God, help us not put our faith, though, in results, but to put our faith in you and trust you completely. God, we pray that as we read and as we hear your words, that you would increase our faith. God, help us to believe that you are able to do all things. That all things are possible for those who believe in you and you're willing to move in our behalf. And then give us even a greater faith that says, God, you know what, God? You are still God. And even if you don't do what I think, 
I will trust in you. God, give us that kind of faith. Because God, we know 